Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. We give God a great hand. You can turn to the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to speak a brand new message to you today. I've got a few little notes scribbled down here in my Bible. If you don't know me, I'm Jim Lathoon. I'm one of the elders here on the board here. Have been for over 20 years. I still remember seeing Pastor James the first time. And um, we were at some kind of banquet. I was sitting with the bishop. I looked out and I saw James there. And I knew the moment I met him, we were to walk together. I told the bishop, he's to be with us. And I love James and Debbie, both very talented. James did not start out as a pastor of the church. He started out as parking lot pastor. He pastored your cars and parked them. You know, isn't that the way we should start? No matter what God does with you, if you're not a servant, you'll never do much. Well, let me have a little sip of water here. I'm going to entitle this message, Wrecked. Not by alcohol, by God. I want to talk about a man named Nehemiah. In the process, God brought him through to change his world. It was not an easy day. His ethnicity had been slaughtered, ethnically cleansed, and enslaved. They started with 12 tribes. One was left now, eradicated in history. Been about a century ago, but they had been enslaved in Babylon for 70 years. They'd been there so long that when God moved on the king of Persia to let him go, only 43,000 went back home. Nehemiah was one of the most, maybe probably the most powerful Jewish man in the Persian Empire. They're his words in 1-1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. We know from verse 11 of chapter 1, he says it very simply, I was the cupbearer to the king. That's a big deal. That means this Jewish man sat next to the great emperor of the world. At least the world they knew. Massive Persian empire. He was the only man whose hand the king would drink from so trusted. If he ever thought it was poison, he'd drink it himself. He had the king's ear like no other. Powerful. Affluent. Insulated from all the pain of his people now. Probably not married. Many cup bearers were eunuchs. At least historically we can't prove that, but that's likely. And God has a plan for his life. 
God's going to break through all his prosperity, all his power and all his position. God's going to wreck him. Has pain ever wrecked you? Raise your hand. You ever had your heart just torn wide open? I fought for a dying child, Kathy and I. How many of you, you have a child that's dying, that'll wreck your heart, you'll do anything. You get a dying child, you'll get another job, you'll get a third job. There's nothing you won't do when your heart's been moved on. You feel like you're losing someone you love. Your whole world stops. You get someone like your spouse facing cancer or dying. How many of you know commitment's not an option? When you love and your heart is wrecked, commitment is the reflex. Every one of us has been wrecked by pain in this room. If you're young and you have not, you will. Sooner or later, crisis will come to the life of someone you love. Your own love. Someone will die. Someone's sick. Some man, some woman will break your heart. Maybe you're real young. Your, your high school crush doesn't like you anymore. Your whole heart's wrecked. Trust me, that's the easy wreckage. Doesn't feel like it now. But have you ever had your heart wrecked by God? Have you ever got God capture your heart in such a way that your heart is torn over something that's not about you? That's what was going to happen to this man. You see, until God wrecks your heart, you'll never really work for him. Basically, we work for what's most important to us. Nehemiah's brother came to see him. Scholars believe Hananiah was his blood brother. One of my brothers came, verse 2, with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile. We have no record of him ever going to Jerusalem. Honestly, it's doubtful he did. It's doubtful he was born there. He was, it's been 100 years since they'd been taken to Babylon. But he goes like, What about our old country? What about them 43,000 people that moved there decades ago? They said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the exile is in great trouble. All their walls are gone. They're open prey to their enemy. Their gates are all destroyed by fire and their shame. Like, why would that move him? He was rich. He'd never been, had a couple brothers there, but he'd never been there. But as soon as he heard the words, he sat down and wept and mourned for days and fasted and prayed. Until God shares his burden with you, it'll be hard for you to move into action. The unburdened life, the unbroken life, 
is rarely the committed life. How did God grab his heart? This man of such power, such influence, totally insulated from normal pain, just got wrecked. God's burden was born in his heart. When's the last time God wrecked you for Nashville? When is the last time you open your eyes to realize this city that so many people want to move because of, oh, low tax and it's maybe the houses are cheaper. That's in the past, I'll say. When's the last time you realize this city is spiritually dying? When's the last time you were wrecked over immorality, wrecked over poverty, wrecked over perversion, wrecked over homelessness, wrecked over abuse? When is the last time you cried over someone besides yourself or your family member? When was the last time God penetrated the insulation around your heart and broke you for what he's broken over? It's one thing to be mad at your country. Whole nother matter to weep over your country. How many know our country is in moral failure? Raise your hand. I don't care if you're Democratic or Republican. What about you? Both parties trouble me. Who'd you vote for last time? James Lowe, but he refused to run. <laughs> Let me tell you now, but when's the last time God got your heart? When's the last time other than your own blood you cared? When's the last time you drove downtown and wept? When's the last time you look at some broken kid and you teared up and cried? When's just the last time it so wrecked him that when we come into chapter two, verse one, he's back in his job. There's a banquet going on. The elite of a dark, broken society is partying hard. He's the only righteous man in the room. More than likely, they're all drunk. Kings in those days, they don't play. You come into their presence with a depressed face, they'll feed you to lions before the night's over. Just ask Daniel. Of course, Daniel didn't get eaten either. In the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I'd never been sad in his presence. He just wrecked. Hardly worked. Broken. And the king said to me, why is your face sad? If you're not sick, there's sadness in your heart. He's scared to death. Why are you wrecked? Why are you acting this way? We're partying. We're celebrating. Man, you've got it made. You're rich. You've got everything, he says. Oh, king. Let you, may you live forever. Why shouldn't I be sad? Give me one reason why I should be smiling. My city is broken. The legacy of my forefathers is despoiled. There are no gates left. There's only shame. King loved him so much, he thought, 
How long do you need to rectify this? By the way, this is a six-month story. Six months to change the world. Six months. Don't tell me you're burdened if there's no action. You're not. God's burden will always move you to action. I sat in Vietnam two weeks ago. You have a nation family has churches there. It's no joke in Vietnam to be a Christian. The communist. They're all young. All of them first and only person saved in their family. You don't join the communist party, there's no future there. I sat there, God just wrecked me. I met our, I met our church from Laos, that's just the worst. She's 27 and single, leading a church in a hellhole. It just wrecked me when I met her. God wants to touch your heart for something beyond yourself today. He wants to touch you for this city, this generation. I don't want to leave him a mess. I want to leave him a legacy. He wants to wreck your heart. You know why? You've just got a work to do. You're here for a reason, Democratic or Republican, Hispanic, African-American, white, I don't give a rip what you are. Your highest allegiance is not your blood, it's the blood of Christ. What will wreck you? What will move you? Is this not business as usual for me? Blame politicians all you want. But only the church has the power to save a city. Only the church has the power to save a nation. That burden will catapult you to action. We find as we go through this passage that when you come into Nehemiah 2.9, he knows it's time to flat get down to work. He goes into that city and you come into 217. He's speaking to a small group. I'm speaking to you today. Nashville, everybody wants to come here. But it's the city of broken hearts. City of broken dreams. Thousands and thousands come here to forget, to drink, to carouse to get away from their normal life and just get it on over here. They fill our streets looking for every kind of sin, broken, vomiting, drunk, and immoral. What would God say to us? What would he say? Here's what he said. Then I said to them, do you see the trouble we're in? Beloved, do you really see the trouble in this world? Do you really see the trouble in this country? We all want to ignore it or get mad about it, but the reality is the country is broken beyond fixing by human hands. 
Now I'm confident revival's coming. But he says, do you see the trouble we're in? Nashville lies in spiritual ruins. America lies in spiritual ruins. Its gates are burned. Education system in America, in the world wants to come, there is a darkness in our educational system. We may prepare the mind, but it steals away the soul of our children many times. Political gates, educational gates, moral gates burned down. Righteousness derided, mocked, every kind of sin celebrated. Do you see the trouble we're in, beloved? Can you look beyond your own trouble and see the real trouble? Come, Bethel, let us build. Come, Bethel, let us build. That we may no longer suffer this derision. Suffer. This shame. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me, the words that had been spoken to me, and they said, Let us rise up and build. How do you work? How do you build? It's so interesting as we're celebrating. Our spiritual family, then when you look in, this is really three messages, and you're getting it all in three and a half hours. I'm sorry, 40 minutes. Don't want to scare you. We, we have to serve meal in here. Three, they built by families. Every family had a gate. And these families represented their family groups, kind of tribal groups, what was left. They represent the spiritual tribes. Just our Bethel tribe. Our every nation tribe. We've got our place on this wall. God has called us to not just to take a stand against racism, but to build multi-ethnically. God has called us to live to a different drum. God has called us to love the Bible. And if you'll find your people, you'll find your purpose. Why family is so important. You're not just here to feel good. You're here to build something. It's why we're still marching with Pastor James. It's why we still believe these things, care about these things. It's why we care about Dixon. We don't just care. I'm not from Dixon. This God loves Dixon. Will you work? If you're not wrecked, you won't work. You only work about what you care about. And if it's only what yourself you care about, you'll only work to better yourself. And that's why God has to break down and pierce us and open our eyes and let us know this is my burden. I'm sharing it with you. I'm wrecking you. Do you see the trouble we're in? Do you see it? The trouble we're in. And it starts by building our families, by building our lives devotionally, by building. I love Debbie. You heard her shouting, homeschooling and all that. 
I mean, we all know Debbie. She was singing all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you, forget the fact that Debbie can sing. She's as good a mother as I've ever seen. And you know, in the sight of God, how you mother is more important than how you sing. Let me just tell you right now. When God breaks down, God breaks you. But let me tell you, if you're going to get to work, you're going to go to war. And when you look in chapters 5 and 6, pardon me, yeah, 4 and 6, 5 is a different kind of an interlude, all the powers of hell come against it. Because the minute you get to work and the minute you get to build, all their enemies begin to come out of the woodwork and you see it right here. They rose up, began to build. All the families were building. By the way, they finished it in 53 days. I wish that was us. In 4-1, Sanballat, a false brother, heard they were building the wall. The devil hates the church. The devil does not say the gates of hell will not prevail against democracy. Does he say that, James? They may say that gates of hell will not prevail against the White House. He never says the gates of hell will not prevail against the UN. He says, oh, the gates of hell will never prevail against the universe. No. There's only one institution on this planet that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. It's the church. And the minute you begin to work and build your church, all hell will break loose against you. When they saw they were building the wall 4-1, they were angry, greatly enraged. Devil fears the church. He fears Christ in you. He knows only the truth of Scripture can pierce the darkness of deception that robs people of their identity and destroys their life and immorality. Oh, he'll jeer at you. What are these feeble Christians at Bethel doing? They think they can restore themselves? Will they really sacrifice? They think they can finish in a day? They think they can revive these stones, these people, out of their rubbish? Do they really think these people have been burned by every addiction, burned by every heartbreak? They laughed, they said, what they're building is nothing. We'll break it down. Only got one answer to the devil. You won't distract me, I'll keep building. If I'm on my dying breath, I'll build. They built, they got angry, they fought, they set a guard. Man, all kinds of battle breaking loose. You got to read these stories for yourself. This would have been next Sunday, but I'm not here. It's hip ahead. Now, Finally, 417. And the leaders stood behind the whole house at 16 of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. What? If you can only build, 
If you could only work, you're in trouble. What's God saying here? You best leave room in your life for that weapon. Life is a fight when you go against the tide. Life's a fight when you say, we want to be married forever. Life's a fight when we don't raise our kids right. Life's a fight when we're going to give God first. Life's a fight. Do you know the Bible says the weapons of your warfare aren't natural. They're not hypersonic, subsonic, hydrogen, atomic, particle. That's, that's a, listen, I'm, I'm military background. That's a joke compared to you. He said, the weapons I give you will shatter strongholds. You know, they had a sword on this side. Ephesians 4, 16 and 17 says this. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God. Beloved, this right here is more powerful than NATO. This more powerful than old Russia. This more powerful than an aircraft carrier. It was through words that God began the processes of our world. It was through word that the dead were raised. It was through a word that the barren womb conceived. It was through a word. My wife and I, we fight every day against the devil. I wake up every morning speaking this word. I go to bed every night. I don't waste a lot of time begging God for what he's promised me. I confess who he says I am in the face of hell. I confess who he says I am. I swing my sword every day. He hates the word. He fears the word. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll cut through your sin. It'll shatter your enemy. You got to speak that word. You got to swing that sword. Rise up, Bethel. Let me tell you about this word. Stop sucking up all that bad news on the internet. Oh, I'm on my news sites. God have mercy on you. A steady diet of that will pollute your soul and steal your faith. I, I read, I try to find it. I look everywhere for news that's not propaganda. It's hard these days. Because I want to keep up with what's happening in the world. But if my good news is not more than my bad news, my soul's in trouble. Where do you get your news? Right here. I know who wins in the end. I know every kingdom in this earth will become the kingdoms of my God. I know I've got to have this good news playing in my ear. I will not put filth in my ear. I will not behold filth. I will not. You're old fashioned. No, I believe in the Bible. That's always in fashion. Holy Spirit's beginning to move over America. It's going to come. God puts you in his family to build and work. If we'll build our lives and help him build his church, he'll do the rest. Last point. They won. I got to get back in Nehemiah and find it out here. Somehow I popped over into Esther. Esther slipped up on me. Okay, here we are now. Let me comment on six real quick. 
I want you to meditate in chapter 6 because this word gets real personal. Right as they were finished in building, all hell came against Nehemiah. They tried threatened to kill him. They sent letters accusing him falsely. They wrote letters to the king trying to get him to stop him. They even sent a false prophet to him. Nehemiah had three answers. Then I'll close. There's three questions that Nehemiah asked all three. Should I stop building? Kathy and I have experienced plenty of pain. They said she was going to die. They said I was going to die. We fought for kids to live. We faced cancer. We faced epilepsy. We faced autoimmune diseases. But I'll tell you what else. We've always built. We've never quit swinging the sword. If I'm dying, my last breath will be this living word of God. I don't fear death. I've been at that door already. I've been there. I've laid dying. Been there, done that. Heaven's glorious. Will you stop? If the enemy can bring you down off your wall, off your building, off your family, he's won. Why do you think he's attacking you so much? Because what you're building, who you're with, threatens him. He ain't afraid of the White House. Give me a break. He ain't afraid of Russia. He's not afraid of an army. He controls most of it. There's just one thing he fears. The blood-washed, spirit-baptized church of Jesus Christ. Secondly, he said this. Should I run? Let me tell you right now. I'm not running. Here I stand. I'm not going to run. I'm not just going to run off. I mean, we've raised our kids. I'll be 69. What are you fighting for, Jim? The next generation? I'm not going to run from this fight. You got pain? Me too. Plenty of it. I'm not going to run. And thirdly, he said, they kept him going to the temple. Go hide in the temple. He said, should a man like me hide out in church? I don't go to church to hide. I go to church to fight. Christians, have, they, they didn't hide everywhere. Everything Christian, everything hide. No. Here's the end of the story. They won. Verse 15, chapter 6, my closing verse. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elad. 52 days. Whole story is about six months. A few months with the king, supplies, the building was 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard of it, when all of our enemies heard that Bethel had been built, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that his work had been accomplished with the help of God. America 
I believe as the Spirit of God moves, will lose their appetite for garbage. The average Americans are beginning to wake up from their slumber. There's sin, deception, do something to realize. My kids are being destroyed. My kids are being wrecked. They're being wrecked. Pastor James, join me up here. You were born for this hour. You were born to live for something greater than yourself. Can't you feel it? All your work, all your pain, I know life's hard. I grew up with no silver spoon. I went to a college you've never heard of, wasn't even accredited. Our first graduating class was three. Listen. In the heart of every man and every woman, there throbs a different beat. It's the heart of God for you. Even if you're bound by your own nature, that image beats to a different drum. You know why we get so broken down here? Why people have so many neuroses? Because deep down every human, there's something that realizes, I wasn't made to live this way. I was born for something different. Our planet's just gotten twisted. Her. You say today, Pastor, I want God's burden. Stand to your feet right now. Raise your hands. I want to embrace God's burden for my city, for my church, for my school, for my community. Bethel's greatest days are upon us. God's coming to rest our nation from the devil's grip. But he wants to invite you with him. If you only live for yourself, you'll never discover who you really are. If all that moves you is you, you'll never be moved much. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your burden. Wreck my heart with your love. I will rise up and work. I will war. Our family will win together. Let me pray. Holy Spirit of Christ. In the book of Acts, in the very city that murdered your son, only days later was being shaken by revival. The people that murdered your son had been pierced to the heart. Peter stood and said, Peter who had denied you three times, now baptized in the Spirit, said, Turn to the Lord! And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift is for you and your children. We stand now.
Raise your hands. Take a deep breath. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me freshly. Breathe him in. Holy Spirit, empower me. Breathe him in. Holy Spirit, I lay my life on the altar.